Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. everybody and welcome to the program today on the show my special guest is Stacy Idema who will be joining us from London in Great Britain and she spent a lot of her life here in the United States but not long ago she relocated to Great Britain with a dream of helping empower women in fact she says when women win everyone wins and she'll be here in just moments for a terrific conversation with me on that topic I'm going to share with you three Three of my big ideas for you to contemplate, journal, and consider. It's all coming up here today on Better Than Before. We're sponsored by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. I'll be back with Stacy Idema in just minutes here on Better Than Before on the C-Suite Radio Network. There's nothing quite like the love of a good dog. At University Subaru, it seems to us they're all good. See special pet-friendly features in the new 2021 Subaru Outback and Forester. It's never been easier to hit the open road with your best friend and to keep them safe with Subaru all-wheel drive. Subaru is dog-tested and dog-approved. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru and a dog a dog. University Subaru, Columbia, homegrown and proud of it. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and I'm excited to welcome Stacey Idema on our show today. She's the founder and CEO of the Global Collective, and the Global Collective bridges the diversity gap, working with women to give them the tools to get invested while working with male-led VC firms to open up opportunities for women. 
She's not a stranger to the intimate details of business. She's coached for over nine years. She's held program roles for leadership for 26 years. She was previously married to a generational business owner, and she's the daughter of two business owners. In 2019, after her last corporate layoff, she dove headfirst into business coaching, but knew there was something bigger and greater for her. And her bigger and greater has been found in London, England, where in early 2021, she set off to explore growing her coaching business, empowering women. But she realized her greater passion was working with men and women on how to do business better together. So Stacy has secured her own UK Innovator Business Visa, recently returned to London, and has started the Global Collective, in which we're going to hear all about that, her 40 years in business experience, and so much more. I'm excited to welcome Stacy Idema to our show today. Stacy, welcome. Tony, thank you so much for having me. I am delighted to have this conversation today. Oh, good, good. Did I do okay? Did I cover you everything? Did. You did beautiful. I mean, I've heard leaders are supposed to reproduce themselves, but goodness gracious, you <laughs> you reproduced two girls who are business owners. I mean, you took it literally. I did. I took it literally. And some days I forget how literal it almost, it doesn't feel that way often. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love what you're doing. I've taken the time to go through some of your online stuff, some of your videos that you've done on social media, and it's just amazing content and a lot of value there. So I'm glad we're going to share this half hour together or so. You grew up in Minnesota, and let's start there. So what was it like? What kind of environment did you grow up in? I was born and raised in a small town in southeast Minnesota. Lake City is actually the birthplace of water skiing. Most believe that water skiing was birthed in Florida, but that's not the case. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Uh, Lake Pepin in 1922. So a place where everyone knows exactly what you're doing and when you're doing it. So nothing seems to be a secret. Yeah. Both of my parents were business owners, which made it even worse because when you drive around town and your dad's construction truck has its name on it and you're behind the wheel, you know, everyone watches you. So it was definitely a very intimate community, farm community, if you will, but a beautiful place on the water, but also a place I knew I did not want to stay. Yeah, we grew up in similar circumstances. You know, I asked my dad once, we were riding along in his pickup. I said, how come nobody here uses their turn signals? <laughs> he goes, everybody knows everybody. We know when we're going to turn. It's like, oh, that's Frank. He's about to turn. So no need to turn the turn signal on. Everybody knows everybody's business. That's so so you grew up in Lake City, Minnesota. And so you spent 26 years, do I have that right, in corporate. Yep. What were you doing then? I started off my career really early. I hadn't even turned 21 yet when I, by the time I graduated and started. So I started in financial services and spent, gosh, the better part of 15 years between 401k plan administration, broker dealer, financial services, financial advisory, investments and insurance, you name it. <laughs> I went along the journey between IDS when it was IDS to Ameriprise, to American Express, to US Bank Corps. So I started off really in that world and then shifted into consulting, did some work at Best Buy and consulted there. That was 
a fun and interesting endeavor, really at the, the early height of mobile broadband on your laptop. So the thought of being able to carry around your laptop and work from anywhere where you didn't have a dongle hanging out from it. And then I spent the last 10 years in innovation, research and development in healthcare. Wow. And so a lot of new business set up, a lot of new products, services, really innovative services and products just to make healthcare better. The roles I played were mostly in, almost all in program and program leadership, working with teams around the globe. And so going back a couple of iterations from the current Stacy to the Stacy back then, what were you learning? <laughs> I was learning that I was doing business the way that others thought I should do business. And was it the way you thought it was supposed to be too? No, in fact, growing up with both parents as business owners and just seeing the stress with that, being small business owners, the money stress, the keeping your employees happy and safe. I swore I would never become a business owner. And so it became this long fight of attempting to climb the corporate ladder, if you will. But knowing deep inside that the way that I wanted to do business was just not how corporate is really laid out, if you will. Do you mean like from a bureaucracy standpoint or what do you mean? A little bit of that, as well as from how I lead as a human, I lead from a place of kindness. Oh, so, so less I'm, systematic, yeah. uh, manual, page 32, yeah. and everyone is the same. To, I want to be on a little bit different plane with each person. Is that yep. what you mean? Absolutely. Okay. And I believe that was one of my biggest strengths because I was also in the latter part of my career, probably the last half of it, put in roles where I was working on special programs. And so one of my specialties was creating calm out of chaos. And the way that I did that was through the relationships that I built. So I was not a box checker. And for those that were, I drove them crazy. Yeah, so you really were a catalyst for stability. Stability while Ra embracing change. Yeah, rather than a system, like I said, a system. Yeah. You, know, you weren't going from the corporate handbook, right? No. Gotcha. No, the biggest piece of that journey for me was learning that I spent so much of my life, so much of my career doing for others and also working on improving my weaknesses. And it wore me out. I probably went through burnout a few times without acknowledging it. Mm -hmm. I just know how I felt and now taking a step back and doing what I do now, recognize the signs. You know, it's funny, the amount of clients that I've had in the past that were in that same paradigm where they were always getting in trouble with the home office because they were doing things different. Yeah. And so as their coach, my primary advice was, look, you have choice to make here. You can stay here and struggle and be in constant pain because you don't fit. Mm. Or you can go out on your own, do your own thing and be in some pain because you do fit. Yeah. Because you're one of those people. And it sounds like you are, you're one of those people who, You've got to do it your way. 
And if you don't yeah. do it your way, you're not going to have a very satisfying day. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And what I didn't give myself enough credit for at the time was what I did do well and where I shined. And to your point, when I would go home and actually feel like I really accomplished something meaningful other than yet another 46 PowerPoint deck that was going to go <laughs> to the same capital committee to talk about the same amount of money that we were spending that was still an illusion in their head, right? But if I impacted in other ways through that connection, and I think that's also why I spent a lot of my time working with really the executive teams and the leadership teams, because I could go in there, I could tell them what was going wrong. They trusted me enough to listen to what I had to say and then allow me to go fix it in my way. Right. And just for my audience who listens to me every week, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that approach, like at Best Buy, because in the size of an organization, there comes a time where you have to systematize everything yes. and you have to formalize everything. I'm just saying that's not for everybody. No, it's not. And I agree with you. And I think to your point, that's where getting comfortable with what we do really well and we like to do it. Yes. The bridge of those two is huge because there are going to be people in every quadrant of what you need for a business. It's a matter of finding them and hoping that they're being honest with themselves about what they want to do, what they do well, and where they want to grow. So did the satisfaction of dealing with your people at Best Buy give you some clue that you might be a coach? So or by that time, I had hired my first executive coach, and we spent quite a bit of time together really focused on the fact that I was doing work that I hated doing. I was promoting myself to do that work more because I knew how to do it, even though I, I hated it. And Best Buy was, it was a really interesting environment in what we were trying to do at that time. I don't think that that came in my understanding of that I was actually coaching until I spent my last 10 years at United and Optum. Gotcha. So working in that healthcare space and working with these brilliant individuals who were very high energy and high emotion as well. And having these ideas and these innovations really created a different way of communicating. And that's when I was suggested to become emotionally intelligence mm. certified, EQ certified, right, for right. those who don't know what EQ is. And that really triggered something in me, not only for my professional life, but my business, or excuse me, my home life as well. Just to take a step back and really understand that I was the person that was driving forward with kindness and empathy for me to have that training, for me to learn, take a step back and actually implement it then in my day job was really when formal coaching began for me. That's fantastic. So as you went through the EQ training and got your certification, what did it do for you personally when you learned that you were in total control of yourself? It made me more aware of how everyone 
is in total control of themselves. Okay. And, and they're not. So follow-up question to that. Yeah. Did that frustrate you? I was frustrated with myself. I see. I was frustrated with myself because I didn't know. I also, I think at that time, was frustrated with others, but I was more frustrated with myself. And so I focused on me and how do I change me? I ask that question a lot to people who are on a more enhanced EQ level because a lot of them are frustrated because when you go to new levels of yourself, you sometimes forget that other people may be still at a lower level of themselves. And they would say things like, how can they not know they're behaving this way? <laughs> And I'm like, well, because they are not on your level and they don't know about self-awareness and self-regulation and you do, and you've become very masterful at it and they yeah. don't have any idea what you're talking about. That's why I asked. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Cause even now when I think about people, for example, on a Facebook group, I'm part of, it's all women. And there was a, she had an experience with a person who really berated her on social media on one platform and took it to another platform. She's like, I'm scared. And so through that dialogue, one, you don't want to minimize how she's feeling, but two, she has to look within herself in her own triggers and also say, I'm moving beyond it. So even little conversations like that, I used to get all hung up in almost how do I fix them? because I want them not to feel that way, to saying, okay, look at the situation. Is it really as bad as you believe that it is? If you've been triggered, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And just because somebody else reached out to you and projected their issues with whatever it is you said, doesn't mean that you, you have to take it on. Let's move beyond that. But to your point, it is, it's, for me, I want them to feel better. And so I go to that place too probably more so than anything before they, why don't they get it? I go to, I want them to feel better. So let's get them to feel better faster. Well, yeah, because they're the power source. I mean, they're the ones yeah. that have control of how they feel. They have no control over that other person. Yeah. So that's, right. good, that's good coaching. So after 2019, you had a significant event happen where you were laid off in the corporate world. And then you decided, hey, I'm going to jump into this coaching deal for businesses. And was that when you decided to only work with women at that time? <laughs> it's been a bit of an evolution. So that layoff in 2019 was probably a couple of years coming just by way of what was going on in that environment. And we happened to be a department that it was skipped over a number of times. So I knew it was coming. And that was actually my fourth layoff in my entire corporate career. I see. My now ex-husband, my husband at the time said, good God, you're miserable. Can you please just go coach full time? Just go do it. So honestly, I thought I would actually work with male executives because I spent so much of my days working with them in general. And then it quickly transformed into women, but then it transformed into how do I work with them, both of them? As they say in the coaching world, you need to figure out your niche. And it took me a while to figure out what that niche is, but it is working with both of them. But it's very specific to the women. I found that as I evolved really quickly, it actually made it 
more difficult to connect with some of these women because they say as a coach, you're often a couple of years ahead of your own coaches, if you will. I was evolving so fast. It was like all those years of holding myself back or finally on overdrive. As I like to say, I'm, I'm driving my Aston Martin while changing the tires, which is really hard to do. Yeah. Possible, yeah. but difficult. Yeah, right. So to answer your question in short, it was where I very quickly evolved. And then it was a lot of cycles in a very short amount of time on that. Sure. So I've heard you say something and I want you to sort of break it down for me, but I've heard you say when women win, mm -hmm. everyone wins. Mm -hmm. Tell me what that means to you. No one's ever asked me that before. Stacy. I only ask great questions. You so. do. You do. <laughs> I'm just joking with you. So when women win, everyone wins. There's a couple of pieces of that. Simply stated, when women win from the standpoint of making more money than what they do today, they win. It makes their life easier. If you think about it from the framework of, if you are buying this tin of Eltoids that I have on my desk, and it's $1, if you will, and you make that $1 in an hour, Tony. Right now, women only make 82 cents. So it literally costs her more to buy that same tin of something. I see. So from that monetary standpoint, from that financial standpoint, she wins in that way. It's also less of a mental burden. So she wins in that way as well, as well as just the overall emotional turmoil, especially with women good, better, otherwise being more of the primary caretaker. When we can be in a place where A, women get out of their own way, because I will be the first to admit we have our own set of things we need to work through. We're really good at minimizing. We're really good at perfectionism, if you will, not making progress, things like that. However, when we step out of that and are in a world that we want to be equal and are made equal, it just makes life that much easier for us, for our families, for our relationships, for just even ourselves. So in your viewpoint and in your research, what are those things that you just described for women? How do those apply to men? So how do you see men as far as what do they do well and what are their biggest constraints? So at least from a mentorship standpoint and team Stacy advocates, mm -hmm. I've had more men on my team than women. So I truly and firmly believe that there are a lot of really good male humans out there promoting women and are, are very much advocates for them. So that's where I know men to do and to be really well and also even to support. So while I talk about gender equality, I don't look at it from the standpoint of you're going to wash 50% of the dishes and I'm going to wash 50% of the dishes, right? You find that harmony in, in what works best with how you manage relationships, whether they're business or whether they're personal, where men have some of the same or have fears is really in, how do I describe it? their own perfectionist ways, if you will. So I would say that there's this fear of being made a fool. And, and that men, comes from men, you think? So the fear of being made a fool by, by a woman, actually. So there's that, so that's the ego, right? 
Yeah, 100%. That's how that shows up, if you will, for men. For women and their ego, it's the perfectionism. And so when you get those two things together, you end up in really a headbutting. Nobody's going to win in that framework. I see. Tell me a little bit about change and commitment. (laughs) So (laughs) I know in your clients, you require that right? You require that they be open to change and ready to change. What is that? Let's take these and break them apart. So what does that mean? For many people, they believe that in order to be ready for change, they have to be without fear. When I work with clients, one of the things I ask them is how afraid are you? Or what are you afraid of? So let's talk about it. And then on a scale of one to 10, how committed are you to that change, even in the fear? Were we talking about the change or were we talking about the commitment? That's fine. You, I forgot. You, that's fine. I broke them <laughs> apart, but it's okay. If they go together, they go together, right? Well, I do believe a lot of it goes together. Okay. Because if they want to change and they're committed to it, you can want change and do nothing. So my sense of it is just a little bit of cheating on my part because I've coached for a long time. My sense of it is no matter what they say and no matter what their answer is, they really don't have a grip on because that's going to be tested, right? Mm -hmm. That that change readiness answer and that commitment answer is going to go through some process and it's going to go through some, I don't have any better word than test. It's going to get tested. That's just the way the world is wired, right? Yeah, 100%. And so so how far apart are they? So when they say, Mm -hmm. on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give myself an 8. They're probably really like a 6, right? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Because because they don't know what they don't know is my point. Yeah. Right? They've got some some unconscious competence. They don't really know what they're going to face, and that's why they're afraid of it, actually. Yeah is they know where point A is and they know where they'd like point B to be, but that messy middle, they just don't have a clue about. They're as ready as they can be, but it's really not as ready as they should be. That's where the coaching comes in, right? It is, and I always remind them that I'm their safe place to fall. This is a safe space. Our conversations are confidential. The time that we spend together is always It's led by them. We may work together on an agenda if they have something in particular, but it's always led by them. And when the really tough stuff comes up, I'm most of the time good about asking for permission to be really honest with them about what I'm seeing. So I think part of that comes in having them also trust themselves enough to know that we're going to do this together. It's just not them coming in and spitting out all their problems and then having to go fix it on their own, if you will. Or even the fact that they have to fix everything. Sometimes it's a slight adjustment or a slight change or a slight perspective in one direction or another. Right. What has been the biggest thing that's occurred to you in this process that you had no idea going in? On the coaching standpoint or the move or what part? Well, yeah, the coaching part of it. So you dove into this. You've been doing it for a while now. You started out thinking you were going to work with women. Then you changed your mind and thought, I'm going to work with men and women. And so in that whole journey, 
and having interaction with all these different, as you would say, humans, what has been the biggest thing that you've discovered or learned in that process? Probably how much and how deeply I really love people. And I really love, love, love pulling out the strengths in them, pulling out their uniqueness, their individuality, and really being able to figure out how to do things better together. And when they get a win, what does that do for you? <laughs> I get so excited. It's funny because I, for so long, I was such a serious person. I wouldn't show up and I have a little bit of sassiness and maybe even a little bit of cynicism to me. Oh, sometimes. no, no, no. Say yeah, it's yeah, not no. true. Say it's yeah, not no. true. I've never met anybody from Minnesota like that. Right? <laughs> but I used to hide it, right? I used to hide all those little fun quirks. I'm actually, I love to laugh. I love to joke around. And when there's a win, I love, especially when they don't call it out or they don't acknowledge it, I love to be able to do that. Yes, and I just to see the look on their face, right? It's almost this mirror of the old me going, I wish I had somebody that would have done that, or I wish I would have listened all those years ago. Yes. When somebody was trying to pull the good. Yeah. Know. And try to help you get where you wanted to go, right? Yeah. A lot of that advice was good natured and it was it was supposed to be productive for you, but maybe you jabbed it. Of course. I self-sabotage. I was the perfectionist at self-sabotage. Yeah, I could sit here and talk to you all day. We're running out of time, though. Tell me about the Global Collective. So what are you trying to accomplish there? At the core of it, I'm looking to accomplish really helping women get invested, growing their business, getting what they need to advance and to grow. Because really, when women get to this place, they start to see and gain traction it becomes really intense it requires hiring new people probably investment and just a different mindset and there are a lot of tools and technologies and tricks and things like that but it's very disjointed in addition we have the side of the investors and the fact that about half of the money goes uninvested every year because women aren't seen and good better otherwise they do their business really well they invest in these businesses, but unfortunately, they're still in that groupthink mindset because they only work with men. Mm -hmm. And so the goal here is really to create that environment where men get to learn how to invest in women and women get to learn how to grow their business. And that comes by way of coaching tools, education, and really creating a more collaborative approach to how to do business better together. So do you represent them to the VC firm or do you just coach them into doing it with the VC firm? How does that work? A lot of that is still a, a work in process. I'd like to do it both. But that said, there are other partnerships I would like to develop that are part of really this end-to-end -end ecosystem. So it isn't just all me. The goal would be to reach far more people than what I could ever handle. So it's a blend of both right now. Well, and hence the name, the Global Collective, right? Did you move to London because you thought it was a good business move or did you move there for personal? I mean, you wanted to live there yourself. Well, having led global teams, I wasn't new to the global business concept. Yes. And being able to pick up and move, having kids that are old enough 
and really wanting to explore what it would be to work in another country, I thought, what the heck? So it was more focused on business, but a little bit of, I've raised kids, I've done that thing, and because I had them so early, it's time to go figure out how to do me too, and yes. how, to, how to be my own human. And doing it and exploring it last year in the middle of a lockdown, and I remember that day being on the street corner in Soho, and I wasn't supposed to be outside, if you will, because London was, UK was still in lockdown. Right. But I was on a business meeting, air quotes, and looking around, seeing four different couples speaking all a different language, not knowing what any of them were saying, and thinking to myself, I'm such a small microcosm in this great big world, yet the impact I can make is so much greater. So I need to figure out how I can be here longer than six months. And that's I did great. it. That's, that's yeah. awesome. So it was a little bit of a business catalyst, but also a personal adventure, right? Yeah, so. absolutely. Good. Well, we we're talking with Stacy Itema of the Global Collective, just a fantastic conversation. And We'll tell you how you can find out more about the Global Collective and more about Stacy in just a couple of minutes. So, Stacy, we ask everybody the same 12 closing questions on every program. So I'm going to run these by you and, and get your answers. All right. I'm ready. All right. Number one, what's the best memory that you have that immediately comes to mind? Being at a campground with my parents when I was a little girl, being the only child sitting on that green Coleman cooler waiting to serve all the adults their beer. <laughs> okay. Who's the number one hero in your life? I have two, and they are my boys. Cool. Their names? Andrew and Ryan. Great. What's the top value you subscribe to? Kindness. Who's the most important person in your life? I am. What's your favorite thing in the whole world? Love. What's your favorite food? Shrimp. Most beautiful place you've ever visited? Lake City. If you could describe success in one word, what word would it be? Self. How do you want to be remembered? As the first whole human CEO who changed the world in gender diversity and venture capital. If you could go back and talk to a younger Stacy, what advice would you give her? Let yourself shine. What's your favorite sound? Ooh, that's a hard one. It's a mix between the, the belly laugh of a baby and the, the waves and waves. I like waves. Out of all the lessons you've learned, what's the best lesson you've learned? If you don't stand up for yourself, no one will. Oh, man, that's almost like my if you don't blow your own horn, there's no song. Right. <laughs> Well, Stacy Idema has been our guest, and I'm sure a lot of people are intrigued by your story and by what you've shared with us today. How do they find you? How do they find out more about you? Tony, they would find out more about me, and I'm very vocal, actually, on LinkedIn, and you would find me under Stacy Karen Idema, K-E-H-R-E-N-I-D-E-M-A. You would also find me on Instagram, and my website is stacyidema.com. Okay, wonderful. Stacy Itema of the Global Collective, everybody, stand by. I'll have more on Better Than Before right after this. There's nothing quite like the love of a good dog. 
At University Subaru, it seems to us they're all good. See special pet-friendly features in the new 2021 Subaru Outback and Forester. It's never been easier to hit the open road with your best friend and to keep them safe with Subaru all-wheel drive. Subaru is dog-tested and dog-approved. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. And a dog, a dog. University Subaru, Columbia, homegrown and proud of it. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. This is Tony Richards, and I've got three big ideas to help you think about your leadership this week when you're journaling, when you're meditating, whenever you're thinking, and you need to be setting aside strategic thinking time for yourself to think about yourself, about your organization, about your career, about your family. Are you ready? Here we go. Big idea number one. You need to learn to notice and enjoy every sign of improvement and achievement, no matter how insignificant it may seem to be to yourself or to others. Big idea number two. You need to learn to notice and enjoy the achievements and progress others make without concluding they are more valuable than you as a person. One of the worst things that we can ever do is compare ourselves to other people. We are uniquely gifted and blessed with things of our own that we can use and things that we can do no matter what it is. And we don't need to just look around and try to compare ourselves to this person or that person, because I promise you, it won't be a fair comparison. And more times than not, we'll put ourselves down when we should be lifting ourselves up. Big idea number three, expect others to like and respect you. And if they don't, it's okay. It really is. It doesn't matter. As long as you like and respect yourself, that's the most important thing. And if you do, you're probably going to attract other people that are healthy and like and respect themselves. The more you need others to like and respect you, that's a little bit of an unhealthy need that you have. And you're going to attract other unhealthy people into your life too, that are going to need something from you that's reciprocal. And those kind of relationships usually don't lead to happiness. They usually lead to heartbreak and hurt feelings. So expect others to like and respect you. And if they don't, it's okay. Like and respect yourself. Well, that's our program today. Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. Follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 and you can come over and join my free Facebook page, Tony Richards Speaker, Author, Coach. Special thanks, as always, to our producer, Tessa Hall, who always makes us sound so good. And until we visit again on next week's show, I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. 
for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.